Welcome to Street Talk, S&P Global Market Intelligence podcast that offers listeners a deep dive into issues facing financial institutions and the investment community. Hi, I'm Nathan Stovall, Senior Research Analyst at S&P Global Market Intelligence, and you're listening to Street Talk. Today, we're talking about bank M&A and what investors want to see from deals. Our guest is Anton Schutz, Portfolio Manager at Minden Capital. Anton has focused on the banking space for about 30 years, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the biggest factors you always consider uh, when evaluating an investment is uh, the potential for M&A activity, uh, whether on the buy side or, or the sell side. Would you say that's fair? That's an incredible, incredibly important part of, of why you invest in a company in a, a space that has become challenging, you know, given loan growth and yield curve concerns and regulatory issues. Consolidation continues to be, you know, more in vogue than ever. Absolutely, and you know that, that's one of the reasons why why I wanted to focus on this today. And, and you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, we we had a lot of expectations I think coming in this year after we'd seen the 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 group expand the the multiple expansion we had seen post election groups now trading around uh 180 tangible buck and that's well above you know where we were last year which was a weaker year for for M&A activity uh you know we have seen a lift in, in deal pricing but we haven't really seen a a real big pickup in the pace of activity are are you surprised by that would you have expected more at this point in the year? Uh, I would have expected more. I think, you know, a lot of people are waiting for sort of regulatory clarity. I mean, I think there's a lot of sort of latent desire to do things, and particularly bigger deals. But I think, you know, the, the slow pace of change in, in Washington has kind of, you know, cooled people's dreams a little bit and put them on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in a world where you're not really certain about the the rules, and whether or not they could potentially change dramatically, you know, with some of the rhetoric we're hearing, uh, it might be a little bit hard to to approach a, a big strategic change like like pursuing a deal. Sure, I mean, you know, being being thoughtful about the math, the regulatory factors just play a huge role, and you know that without knowing the answers to. You know, your tax rate, you know, what is a, a, a DTA worth? Many banks have DTAs. Uh, understanding is there a $10 billion hurdle? Is there a $50 billion hurdle? Um, you know, those all, you know, apply big time to the merger math. So, you know, that's important. You know, are we going to get an economic stimulus plan? Um, you know, all of that could, could really play into also, you know, growth out there and the need for uh, more deposits to fund that growth. Right, right, and one of the best ways to to pick up the deposits, you know, cheap funding is, is through a deal. I mean, it's hard hard to do so through uh, de novo expansion and opening new branches. Not a lot of folks are looking to open new branches. So, I mean, that, that is one of the oldest oldest reasons. And 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 if the growth remains what it's been, uh, the funding need hasn't been that great recently. Uh, um, that's an interesting point. You know, you, you mentioned larger deals, though. We actually have seen a pickup there. You know, I just I just looked at numbers uh, a few minutes ago, and you know, we've seen ten over five hundred million this year. Uh, that's compared to nine in all sixteen, and just six in fifteen, and five in fourteen. So that's a that's a pretty big pickup uh, when otherwise you've seen deal activity kind of 
I'm really talking about bigger, bigger. Um, you know, U.S. Bank horsemen sort of sitting on the sidelines with, um, you know, some BSA issues. You know, we've seen Fifth Third on the sidelines, Regions on the sidelines. BB&T hasn't done a deal in a while. Um, you know, SunTrust has been on the sidelines. You know, we've been expecting uh, Tron Dominion to increase its U.S. presence. They haven't done anything. So, you know, I think that uh, when I'm talking about bigger, I'm talking about bigger, about, you know, much larger transactions than we've seen here. Um, so, and I, I think those are the deals that are really, you know, creating some regulatory uncertainty in, in the buyer's minds as well as people who are handcuffed still by some of these orders. You know, you mentioned TD, just to pick one. I mean, we've been waiting for them to do something for for a long time, and some of those other guys, too. I mean, that that is absolutely true. And and while they, they've they seen um, some talk about, you know, $50 billion being lifted, and, and we also saw the, the change in the approval process of what would be considered uh, a deal that needs further review, uh, um, we really haven't seen any change market change uh, uh, in terms of how regulators approach the larger transactions. Uh, but, but you know, even even still, even outside of those guys, uh, you're right, we haven't seen them. We have seen some of these bigger ones. You know, what what do you think has really driven that? Is, is it sort of pent-up demand? Um, some of the, what you're talking about, that we've been waiting for more of these to come to fruition? And now we're seeing some of these guys finally put them on the tape. I think it, I think that's part of it. Uh, I think another part of it is, is simply the ownership structure of some of these banks. I mean, uh, a number of the banks we've seen sold this year have been, you know, sponsored uh, by private equity or had private equity major shareholders. Um, you know, right around or post the crisis, they've been investing in these companies for quite some time. So. You know, their funds have, have kind of hit that point where they need to start returning, uh, you know, capital to their investors. So I think a lot of transactions have been driven by private equity this year. Right, absolutely. Ne- needing an exit. And, and those are sort of case-specific transactions. Uh, you know, one, one thing that, that that I've kind of noticed on some of those larger deals is that, you know, they haven't been necessarily that cheap, which maybe isn't surprising with what we've seen happen to valuations of the group. Uh, but we've seen earnback periods that uh, the earnback of tangible book value dilution that, that have been a li- little bit longer than maybe the street seemed to have the stomach for a year or two ago, but they've kind of gotten support. You know, not in every single case, but but we've seen pretty good support from the buy side. I, I, you know, one, would you agree <laughs> with that? Uh, or, or 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 two, you know, ha- have have you been sort of surprised, or you think there's been any real change in sort of the the willingness to accept dilution on the buy side? Well, you know, I, I think that a lot of the buyers who have actually done smart deals have, have not been met with uh, reward on the buy side. I mean, uh, you know, I can talk about three deals specifically. I think, you know, Home Bank buying Stonegate, I mean, the math is very good. Mm-hmm. You know, not any issue with earn back. I think Pinnacle buying BNC also math is, is very good. And, um, South State buying Park Sterling, uh, yeah, you know, math isn't quite as good, but still creates an incredible franchise, and I, I think the earnest power is, is far stronger than the management showing. Right. In each of those cases, too, you're talking about markets that they've telegraphed for some time. I mean, home, the mass there, we all know Johnny wanted to build in Florida, and, and there's not many assets like that that size. Uh, you know, Pinnacle, it's logical for them to leave Tennessee, 
uh, and and the Carolinas are the fastest growing markets uh, in in the southeast, if not not the country. Uh, and, and the street did sort of come back there. And, and you know, in South State, you know, they've always had some bit of a presence in Charlotte, um, and and have liked it. But this really helps them build there, and they know the market, and there's not many properties of that size available. So, you know, in e- each case, none of them should have surprised uh, the investment right. community. Right, and, and if you if you liked either the, any of those companies before the deal, you should like them more after the deal. And yet, since the deals have been announced, the stocks are, are, are down. And so, you know, I'd say the buy side is, is not supporting it. I don't know whether that's caused by, uh, you know, being caused by redemptions, um, by, by firms on the buy side or whether it's being caused by, you know, uh, ETFs trading those stocks, buying and selling because of what the macro concerns are. But at the end of the day, um, you know, go back a couple of years, smart transactions always rewarded the buyers and their stocks would go, would go higher when both sets of shareholders won. And that's not what we're seeing so far. And I think that's, that's disconcerting at the moment. Well, and that sort of brings up a conversation I've been having with a number of investors Focus on the space. Uh, you know, they get a little nervous about about what we've seen in terms of where the group is trading, and you know, are some things sort of overheated or not even overheated that you're not seeing uh, a, a enough differentiation uh, among better names. Um, and you know, they they attribute a lot of that to generalist money coming into the group and not being able to distinguish between uh, you know some of those transactions. Do you think that makes it harder to find value, or, or does that change the way you look at the space at all? Well, I think that, you know, if, if you've got, um, you know, all stocks trading the same, i.e., you know, driven either by generalists or macro trades involving ETFs, you, you create some, some obviously, some opportunities, either on the long or the short side, because, you know, not all companies deserve the same, you know, PE or price to book, and, they're obviously management they're going to execute and grow faster and better and more safely than others. Right, right, and and being able to know those know those teams know who does it better is is really how you should get rewarded over time. Uh, so so yeah, I mean to your point, maybe maybe that does even create a better opportunity. It, it definitely creates distortion. So <laughs> I mean, you know, post post the giant rally, there were some you know great short opportunities, and actually I would I would argue today that. Some of these same stocks I mentioned earlier are probably some good buying opportunities because those management teams will execute those deals well and, and create some value and some earnings on them. Right, and if their earnings come through too, then all of a sudden they might look a lot cheaper um, because exactly. if we're not recognizing the value of the transaction, the value of the potential accretion, then you know when that flows through, they're they're going to be trading on a much lower multiple than than they were. Um, all other things being equal, well, you know where. You know, where do you sort of think we are kind of in the M&A cycle? And I know that's a, a very tough question, but, but I heard, you know, State Bank, Joe Evans recently talking about uh, how, how he doesn't think it's a buyer's market. Uh, it's, you know, more of a, a seller's market. And, you know, I always perk up when I hear Joe say things like that because he's timed it right a few times. Um, uh, you know, wh- where do you think we are, um, you know, would you rather – own a, a seller than a buyer, or, or I mean, you, you just said that you, you you see some good opportunities buying into the buyers. Well, I, I see some good opportunities, you know, both perspectives. I mean, clearly, some of the buyers that are you know blessed with strong currencies and good execution capabilities 
you know, are are getting some deals announced that you know that look very strong. Um, you know, FBK, you know, not only just just did a, a you know series of smart deals with Clayton, but they actually restructured the deal and and made it even more you know financially attractive. I think it's one you know the payback is like one quarter. Um, so you know deals like that, you know, I think. Uh, Buyers that create value with that type of math, uh, you know, are going to eventually get rewarded, and, you know, be given a currency to keep, you know, keep on doing more deals. Right, right, and and that's what you want to see them do, right? I mean, you're exactly you're 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 invested in their stock because because you want it, you want them to grow, uh, and and continuing to execute on that. I maybe as we close here, I, I'm curious, maybe on the flip side, uh, you know, what would you not want to see? A management team do, uh, uh, whether in regards to M and A or just or just period, but but maybe particularly on M and A, is is there something that that would just raise a red flag to you, sort of in the current environment, if somebody put a, a, a particular kind of deal on the tape? Well, I mean, look, I I think you know when you jump across multiple geographies, that always increases execution risk, increases you know cultural risk. So I, I think that's you know that's something you always. You know, I would look at and go, you know, what what does a, a a company from you know three states away know from that market? You know, you're northeast buying in the southeast, so they're different markets. They behave differently. The consumers behave differently. The businesses do. And you know, knowing your customer thing is really important to have you know that local knowledge. So I, you know, I, I think you know stepping over over large boundaries can be challenging. I think. Uh, you know, stepping into new business lines can be challenging. You know, so everybody wants to do SBA when, you know, that's a really tricky business. You know, you're going to buy lines of business or banks specializing in things. You know, do you know how to run that business? And do you have history of, you know, not just, you know, putting loans on the books, but <laughs> working them out and understanding the credit function? Right, right. Un- uh, sticking to your knitting and, and, and understanding what you're doing. And there's, you know, there's plenty of opportunity. There, the you know the biggest banks still control about 75% of the assets in this country. So you know if we're looking at small institutions, there's plenty of ways to gain market share without necessarily going into a new business line or to a far-flung geography. Um, well, I, I, I think that's all all the time we have today. Thanks so much, Anton. Uh, appreciate you taking the time and appreciate the perspective. My pleasure. Take care.